You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. Well, cool. Well, hey, thank you all for letting me do that. Man, I really needed that for me, to be honest with you. And the Lord spoke to me this morning and said that we have some people that just needed that. So I thank you for participating. Um, Holy Spirit is real. Holy Spirit is alive. Holy Spirit is here. Holy Spirit is moving. Amen. And I just encourage you and I encourage myself to be ready when the Holy Spirit wants to use you and wants to move in you and through you, that you allow yourself to be willing and able to do that and be available to do that. That's a big one. Be available to let the Holy Spirit move in and through you. I've suffered through many times in my life where I'm not available. my, My time isn't available. I am not emotionally available. Just for a lot of different reasons, I'm not available, and that's going to kind of tie into what we're talking about for a few minutes this morning. But before we get to that, let's talk about some Thanksgiving. So it's been a while since I've had the opportunity to speak to you guys. It's been, it's been, a, been a, a hot minute, as us young folks would say. Um, and so I had something that really, it's really, really awesome that happened since the last time I got to speak to you. And most of you already know this. If you don't know it, I want to go ahead and say it before the church because it's just an amazing, awesome, great thing. I bought a new Apple Watch. Not that, not that, I'm just playing. We had babies. Let's be fair, we didn't have babies. Kiki had babies. I was just there to, to hold her hand and, and all those things. And so you guys have heard me speak um, in front of you before about just our, the desire of our heart um, to, to have a new baby. And, and, and our good Lord um, double blessed us and gave us two babies. And, um, and uh, they're just really awesome and perfect and great little boy named Luke Dallas. Um, Yes, I did name his middle name Dallas because she wouldn't do cowboys, so Dallas was the only other option. That's his name. We were going to go with Dalstros, like for Dallas Astros, but um, when she was drugged up, she was cool with it, but by like the fifth day before we went home, she wasn't so cool with it anymore, so so then she actually wanted to do Strohs. It was going to be Luke Strohs Robinson, true story, and I actually was like, I got cold feet because my name's Spud. And I'm going to be honest with you, having the name Spud growing up wasn't that great. Still not. Still not. And so I, I just couldn't have given my son the middle name of Strohs. And so we went with Luke Dallas because it sounds pretty normal and, and all that kind of good stuff. So, so thank you, Jesus. Praise you for, for my awesome um, new little man. Yeah, awesome. Um, then I have a new baby girl. Her name's Blake Charlotte. And man, she is just something else. She is awesome. She is beautiful. Blake's back there, actually. I don't know if Luke's back here. Aunt Donna's holding Blake. So she is just, um, man, she's something else. She is beautiful and sweet, and she is very just even keel and even tempered, and um, she only fusses when she's hungry like her dad. Um, <laughs> Luke, on the other hand, is like, he's, we're, he's probably going to go see a psychiatrist in a couple weeks, and we're pretty sure he's, he's pretty severely bipolar. He, um, he gets either really, really mad or really, really happy. There's nowhere in between. Or he's asleep, right? So to be honest, kind of like his dad. So um, anyway, so just praise, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for, for my new awesome babies. I know that a lot of you guys have been, have been praying for us for this to happen. We've been trying for, man, like eight years for this to take place. And so um, it's just really awesome. And, and most of you probably know I have some older kids also, and, and they're just in love with their new little siblings and um, just really, really cool, man. So thank you all for your prayers, and thank you, Jesus, for, for, um, for our blessings. Just so excited. I could talk about this the whole time if you want to, but we're not going to. We'll save that for another day. Um, 
we'll be dedicating them pretty soon whenever, whenever Andy gets back, so we're excited about that. I thought about doing it today and video recording it just so he would get upset when he got back because he didn't get to do it, so. But we love each other like that. If you've ever been around, it's you, you, that would make sense to you. Um, but I did get a new Apple Watch. That was true. Um, I've, I have the Apple. Any Apple users in here? If you like Apple, raise your hand. If you like Android, raise your hand. Well, a house divided. So I was an avid Android user. Um, I spent many, many moons working for T-Mobile, like 11 and a half years. And, um, and so we, were, we actually didn't sell Apple there, so I was required to use Android and loved it. Had the very first G1 that ever came out. It was the first Android device. And then um, whenever I, I left T-Mobile and got into a different career path, um, everyone used Apple, so I was forced into Apple because all my company products were Apple. And so now I'm an Apple user. Anyone have an Apple Watch? Any Apple Watch users? Uh, so I, just, I did just get a new 44 millimeter Apple IV watch. I had the Apple One until last week. Apple One's like really, really, really old, just in case you don't know anything about the Apple Watches. I've had it for like five years probably, and it fell off my nightstand and broke. Um, that Apple Watch, I really used for a couple of reasons only. One was to tell time, so I didn't have to get my phone in my pocket and just look at, if I'm in a meeting, talking to someone at lunch, whatever, I don't want to be rude and put my phone out, just kind of look at my watch, boom, there's a the time right there, right? It also has this cool little screen thing, so when you flip it over, it shows different pictures that you've saved as your favorites, which is really neat. Um, that's about the only thing I use my old watch for. So I go buy this new Apple IV watch, and I put it on, and I'm in San Antonio last week, and I'm actually go buy it on the way home, put it on, drive it home, and it starts asking me questions about my heart. I'm like, Apple, who are you? I'm like, God, are you talking to me through my Apple Watch? Like, what do you want to know about my heart? My, I know my heart's not right. Like, are you, what are you trying to tell me? But it did start asking me questions about my heart. Like, hey, do you know what your heart rate is? Do you want to set up a medical ID just in case you have a heart event that they will know who you are, they will know your prior conditions, they will know where you're at, they will know who to contact? And I'm thinking like, whoa, this is like seriously tripping me out. Any anxiety I had before about having a heart issue was just elevated by like 5,000. Pretty solid chance if I would have like passed out and had like a wreck or something, my wife probably could have sued Apple for the stress they put me through in, in those few minutes. And for those of you who are wondering, have teenage, parent, teenage kids like I do, um, I was not driving and looking. I was pulled over on the side of the road. <laughs> Don't tell Kennedy that. And so, um, anyway, so it starts asking me about my heart, and, and then it says, hey, do you want to set up this heart app to where what will happen is if I have an irregular heartbeat or something weird happens with my heart, it'll actually tell me on my watch, hey, you're about to die, so call your wife and tell her you love her, whatever you got to do, because you're, it's about to go down, right? Hopefully that's not what happens, but it tells you, hey, your heart is acting kind of crazy right now. Your, your arrhythmia is off or whatever the case may be, and so... Honestly, it really got me thinking. I'm kind of being tongue-in-cheek here, but it got me thinking about my heart. I've went and done my physical checkups. Um, we are so quick to be in anxiety and so quick to be frustrated with God whenever things are wrong with our body. But we are, um, I think we're, we're not quick enough sometimes to praise him for everything. This is a crazy thing we have going on here. It's crazy, man. There are so many crazy things that have to happen for me to stand here before you and communicate with you and look at you and have the blood pump through my heart and my feet move and all that kind of stuff, right? 
but we're, so, we're, we're not quick enough to praise him for all the good that's in our body, right? So I went and had a heart checkup done, and my heart's great. He said, man, your heart's fine, but if you don't slow down on the, on the, the food you eat, then it could be a different story in a couple of years. And so, um, so I'm going to try to probably, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, we'll see about that. Something will probably have to be wrong before I'll do something about it, but anyway. But I just, I, I thank Jesus for my heart, man. I thank, I'm thankful that I have a good heart. There's nothing wrong with it. I know I've, I've tried to do some damage to it, but there's nothing wrong with it. So thank you for that. But it made me start thinking about the condition of my, of my heart, of my spirit heart, right? Of my control center. It's a good way to define it. It's like a control center. So the first thing we'll talk about this morning is what is the heart? You've probably heard a million sermons on this. I hope that you have. You know why? Because it is super duper important. It is your compass. It is your, that is what guides you in every step you take day to day. That's where we take the word and we just lock it up inside the box of our heart and we store it there and protect it. You know, it tells us in Proverbs, we'll read it in just a second, to guard your heart. Above all other things, guard your heart. So today we're going to spend just a little bit of time talking about that. So let me read you guys something real quick. This is Proverbs 4, 20 through 27. We're going to read through this whole thing. And then as we kind of move through the, through the talk this morning, I'll kind of break some of this down for you. So Proverbs 4, 20 through 27, it says, My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. His words don't dwell inside my pumping heart, right? So we know that it's our, it's our, it's our spirit. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, very important. Everybody say above all else. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. So what is the heart? Again, the heart is the core of who we are. It is you. That is your control center, your compass. It's who you are. It's what guides our emotions, our attitude, our moods, our decisions, our perceptions. I tell my kids and people at work all the time, hey, your happiness is kind of dependent upon two things, your perception and your expectation. If your perception's off, if you got the perception of, of Nancy negative next to you, then guess what? Life's going to be a bummer. If your expectations is that every day when you wake up and put on your, your I wear like, I always wear sockless shoes, so I don't put on socks and shoes, but when I put on my, my whatever you call these shoes, and I go out of my house and I expect everything to be perfect, guess what? My expectations are wrong. It's not going to be that way. I'm not going to be a very happy person. But your heart is what guides those perceptions and expectations. It's also what protects you, protects you from when things go awry, how do you react to those things, right? The heart's mentioned in the Bible almost a thousand times. Almost a thousand times. It's mentioned in the Bible. They say it's one of the, one of the words that has been translated the most throughout the, the years of translating the Bible. I mean, it's mentioned a lot, so it tells us that it's really, really important. Again, it tells us above all else, 
guard your heart. So let's talk about what's the, what, the, what the function of the heart is in our lives. Again, in our physical being, it's what pumps blood through our body, returns blood back to the heart to repump it through our body so that our fingers work, right? So that my toes work, so my legs work. If I stop getting circulation and blood to my leg, they might, they might try to take my leg. I mean, the heart is really, really, really important. And in our spiritual life, it serves a bit of the same function, a lot of the same function for the spirit and the things that we bring in. It controls our, um, our moral compass, right? That's how, I, that's how we determine if, if um, what I'm... Man, we're getting, what I'm watching on TV is good for me, right? That's my heart. That's my moral compass telling me, hey, this is good, this is not good. I should let this inside my thoughts and my being, or I shouldn't. It's what helps me make decisions. You know, if I'm, if I'm hanging out with a bud and, and we are, um, we're thinking about doing something dumb, like, I don't know, throwing an egg at somebody's car. Like, my heart tells me, spud, don't throw an egg at Sean Broussard's car. I'm like, heart, but I really want to throw an egg at Sean Broussard's car. And so we kind of battle back and forth. But it is. It's your moral compass. It's what helps you choose right from wrong. It's what helps you choose good from evil. It controls our compassion for other people. It's a huge one. If our heart isn't right, if our heart isn't healthy, and my compassion for others is lacking, that is a huge, huge deal that has, that has to be addressed. Man, I, I've been there. I know people that are just, you, who, who has heard, I mean, don't raise your hand, who has heard or said this before? Well, they got a really good heart. They got a really good heart, but they make these knuckleheaded decisions or whatever the case may be. The heart is what determines if, if we are going to be good or bad in our decision-making, in our path, the way we walk, the, thing, the way we talk, the things we do. And this is a really big one. Psalm 37.4 says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. That's a big one. I just talked about it with my, my new awesome little, little baby kids. I call them baby kids. Not like the goat, like actual baby kids. Like, the desire of mine and Kiki's heart was to have a baby. Like, and, you, and I'll tell you, like, we, we spent a lot of time um, talking and praying and talking and thinking and praying and thinking and talking about, hey, is the desire in my heart right? Like, Lord, I'm going to be 40 years old pretty soon. Do I, is my desire actually right that I want to have new little babies? He's like, yes, you're not that old. The desire is right. And so we, because we just, we tried and we tried and we, 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 we prayed and it just wasn't happening for us. And so we really had to evaluate, is the desire of our heart right? Is this, is this from you? It says, again, it says, he will give you the desires of your heart. And I think that we're all guilty of this at times where we, we, um, we come up with our own desires, the things that we think that we need, the things that we think should be important to us. And we allow those to take root inside our heart. 
and then we know good and well they're not a desire from God. But we're latched onto it, and we think we need it. And so it becomes a real desire. Again, I'm going to read you one more time. It says, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So our heart is where we store those desires. The desire to, to go into ministry. The desire to have a baby. The desire to start a new compassionate ministry at your church. Or the desire to see one of your coworkers led to Jesus. Hey, the desire to go take a new job or to start a business. You know God cares about every aspect of your life, right? He's not just worried about what happens on Sunday morning between 10.30 and... We'll be out here about 2. And 2 on Sunday... Right? He cares about every aspect of your life. He cares about when you go to work. He cares about when you're driving your son to, to soccer practice. Or he cares about when you go and have lunch and the way you interact with that, with that, that host or hostess or waiter or waitress, server, whatever. You, I, I did that for a long time. Um, he cares about those things. He cares about what, whenever me and my 13-year-old son, when we get together and we're going to hang out just me and him, and we're going to watch TV or... or play a game, which I don't like doing, but he does, and so I do it anyway because I love him. And then he, like, we'll play, like, these, these games where, like, you'll go into, like, this little battle zone, and you'll have robots, and they'll fight each other. And, like, whoever kills the other robot the, the most wins. And this is, like, true story. Like, we'll play that game. He'll sucker me into it, first off. And we'll play. He'll be like, Dad, I'll go throw the ball with you outside if you'll play the game. I'm like, cool, let's do it. I love throwing the baseball. So I'll go outside and throw the baseball, go inside and play this game, and he'll literally kill my robot, like, 45 times to my one. And the only, the only one I have is like the first kill of the game. Some of y'all are following me. Some of you probably aren't. Just because he lets me do it to kind of get me involved in the game. And then he just he busts my chops. So when me and my son hang out, the type of games that we play or the things that we watch, God cares about that stuff. He is invested into those things. Does that make sense? Good. The heart also controls this function in our life, which is really, really important, and that's relationships. Not just how successful they are, but who we choose to be in them with, right? Like, are, are we hanging out with the right people? Am I investing my time into people who are investing stuff back into me? You know, or has God, has God put a desire in my heart to go... Give the gospel and watch God work in this co-worker's life. Am I investing in that relationship? Am I investing in the relationships that he has set me up to invest into? So we know what the heart is. We all know what the, the function of the heart is in our lives. So now let's talk about how we check our heart's health. How do you check your heart's health? I know for, for me in my actual physical pumping heart, I had to go... Um, I don't raise your hand, but have you ever done, if you want to raise it, you can. Have you ever gone and done like a, like a cardio workup where you have to like get on the treadmill and they want you to run for like 12 minutes, I think it was, and then they put you like on this, um, I think it's called a PET scan, something like that. Some of y'all probably know. So we have any medical people in here that would know this. I think it's called a PET scan. And so like you lay down and they, they run you through this machine and they're, um, they're taking pictures of your arteries and how your blood's pumping. They check your neck and they do all this stuff just to make sure your heart's working right. Again, my watch wanted me wanted to do a heart checkup on me. I'm like, no, Apple, you can't do a heart checkup on me. 
I didn't deny, I actually accepted it, so I will now. But we also have to have a process to check the health of our spiritual heart, right, of our compass, of our control center. Is everything going the way that it's supposed to go? Is everything doing what it's supposed to do? Are we, are, is our heart um, softened to the place because of the things we're putting into our body, the things we're putting into our mind, the things we're investing time into, are they, are they good for the heart? Are they good for conditioning the heart? So, and we also know that the condition of the heart can alter. It can alter. It, it could be soft. It could be hard, which tells us it's important for us to do things to make sure that we're continuing to condition and make sure it's right and it's healthy. I'll read you something real quick. Mark 6, 47 through 52. So before we read it, um, this is the story about Jesus, one of, the, one of our favorite stories of all time in the Bible. It's a story about Jesus walking on the water, right? I love this story. It's like, I, again, y'all, if you've heard me speak, I'd, I just have this crazy imagery in my head of how these things played out, not, getting, not deviating from what Scripture says, but just my own interpretation and humor of how this stuff happened, like Jesus you know, strutting across the water, the guy's freaking out, and Peter getting the water, all those good things. Anyway, so um, let me read this to you real quick. Mark 6, 47 through 52. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land, Jesus. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went, out, he went out to them, walking on the lake. I also wonder, where Paul's right there, I wonder, too, what Jesus um, thinks in a lot of these situations. Like, the, like what the Bible didn't tell us, like when he's sitting there and he's thinking about, hey, look at these dudes out here, and they're struggling, and like the storm's going to take them over, and they're trying, to, trying to, to paddle the oars, and they can't. Like, is he like, I think he's probably chuckling a little bit, like, look at these dudes, man, like, like, do they know who I am? Like, do they know who, I, who they've been roaming around with and seeing miracles? This, mind you, this is right after, like right after they fed the multitude of people with the, with the, um, the loaves of bread and the fish. So they just saw him do something really crazy miraculous, and yet he sends them out into the sea. They start struggling, and he's like, okay, here we go again. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them. Walking on the lake, he was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. And they cried out, because they all saw him and were terrified, immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. There's, catch this part. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. They didn't get what had happened with the multitude of people. And their hearts were hardened. Their hearts were hardened. They were unable to, to realize what God was doing in that moment, in that situation in their lives, what he was trying to teach them, what he was trying to show them, because their hearts were hardened. Like, I, for me, I, I, there's been so many situations in my life where, where my God, who is, who is devoted to his promises, will try to do the same thing. He'll put a desire in my heart. I'll work so hard, and it's not even in my own ability, to see his desire lived out that he put in my heart. But yet, because I've allowed my heart to get hardened because of other things, he will be trying to work that thing in my life, and my heart's too hard to even pick up what he's doing. You don't ever experience that? I know I do. It's so important that the condition of our heart is always right. He can't do the things in your life that he wants to do. He can't fulfill the promises of your life that he's promised you if your heart is hard, if your heart is not in the right condition. 
The fact that we condition our heart and we guard our heart above all else is really, really, really important. And so, so Jesus is trying to do this miraculous thing for them, and they're not even, like, they can't even pick it up. And it tells you, like, it's not, so this is what, what really sticks out to me. A couple of things here. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. They just saw him feed a multitude of 5,000 people with a little bit of fish and a little bit of bread, and they still didn't get it. I'm hard-headed. I'm, like, crazy hard-headed. We probably would, most of us would probably describe ourselves that way. Is that fair? They were with Jesus, watching Jesus do these things, and they still didn't get it. So how much more difficult do you think it is for us today, right? It is so, so, so important that if we're going to catch the blessings that God has for us, and we're going to stay in the path that God has directed for us, that we have to be invested in the things that condition our heart, the word, good relationships, community in the church. Right? Because if it was that bad for them, it's got to be hard for us. Right? Make sense? Y'all with me? Cool. I hope. Also in the heart, how do we check the health of our heart? Can't go get a cardio workup done. I bet we could maybe do like a study group where we, um, we do like a cardio check and we have like a checklist. I'm just saying. Probably a way to do that. What the heart produces will give a good check on the condition of the heart. Let me read you Matthew 12, 34 through 35. Matthew 12, 34 through 35 says... You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. That's that's kind of a tough one, to be honest with you. For me, it is. Because I I love Jesus. I know that I do. I love Jesus. Jesus. I do my best to follow his path and do the things in my life that he's intended for me to do. Answer the calling of my life on a day-to-day basis that he's called me into. But anytime you find yourself in the position where there, are, there is not good around you, I don't mean like the Astros, like they didn't win last year. I mean, I don't love Jesus. I'm like, like stuff like, like you're seeing people led to Jesus. The relationships that you're invested in, so think about this, kind of marinate on this for just one second. Think about the relationships that you're invested in, like those people that are closest to you, whether it's your your family, your spouse, your kids, your parents, a cousin, an aunt, an uncle, a coworker, a best friend, a group of friends, whatever the case may be, people you go to school with if if you're younger, whatever. Are you seeing the fruits of the Spirit in their lives? Make sense? Are you seeing God work in the environment around you? Are you taking in the good things in your heart and storing those things up and guarding them like his word and his encouragement and his direction so that they're flowing out of you into the situations that you're in on an everyday basis? Does that make sense? If you're seeing those things, your heart's good, right? It tells us right there. But let's look at the flip side. Sometimes it's all too often for me. I'm invested in these relationships I'm spending my time, my energy, my whatever, and I'm not seeing anything fruitful happen. It's not out of my own ability to see anything good happen. It's from the Holy Spirit. It's from God. But if I'm not storing up and conditioning my heart the things that should be in there, then we're not going to see the fruitful things come out of it. 
You know, whenever we were the youth pastors here, that was like, like an insta-check for us, like an insta-check on were we doing things right? Were we trying to operate the youth ministry out of our own pride and our own direction, the things that we wanted, or were we, do, or we following the direction of God and what he wanted and ordained for that ministry? If we saw young people being set free from some of the things that our young people face today, which are pray for our young people, pray for them because they face some stuff that, that I never faced and that most of you probably never face. It's tough out there for a young teenager these days. If you don't believe me, talk to anyone who spends any time with them. Talk to Mindy and, and Buddy and my wife, Kiki. She's a middle school librarian. Like it's, it's tough out there. But guess what? My God is bigger and badder than any tough situation that they're going to face. I don't care if they're eight. I don't care if they're 18. I don't care if you're 28 or 68. Any problem that you're going to face, he is bigger and badder and better than that. For real. Like he really is. I don't care what it is. And so for us, we, would, we were just faced with so much stuff with these youth, like kids who were, um, who were cutting themselves and kids who believed that they were demon-possessed and kids who were dealing with other immorality issues that the Bible talks about. And our, our stance, our compass, our position, how we knew if we were doing what God wanted us to do and that our hearts were right in that ministry is were we seeing kids get delivered? Were we seeing kids stop doing the things to their bodies that they were doing before? Here's, here's a really good one. Were we seeing kids bring other kids to church? Man, that's a, if y'all can just let me, if y'all give me permission, let me just throw this at you guys real quick. I really think this. It's a really good way to tell if, if our hearts are right. Are we bringing people to church? Like, for real. Is your life one that exudes a kingdom mindset in God's domain on your life to where when you go to work or whatever the case may be, you go to the bingo hall and are people saying, hey, you're different. There's something about you that's different. You have a peace and a joy and, 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 and a happiness that we don't experience other places. You're different. I want to have what you have. And you say, hey, okay, cool. I'm going to scoop you up on Sunday morning. We're going to go to church. You're going to hear about Jesus. If you're bringing people to church, your heart's probably in the right spot. Probably conditioned well. It's not saying if you don't that you're not. It's just a good telltale sign that it is things are going good. Good comes, good things produce, fruitfulness happens when your heart is conditioned right. Evil things happen when it's not. The enemy, the enemy is 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 at work. He is at work. He is, he is trying to bring you down. He is trying to influence the things that are around you, the environments that God has placed you in. Good news for you, our God is bigger and better and better than everything, including the enemy. You just got to protect and condition your heart. We'll wrap up with this. We know what it is. We know its importance in our life, what function it serves, what role it plays in a Christian, a believer's life.
how do we guard it? Like, how do we renew it? So we've checked it. Maybe your heart is in a great position right now. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not. Hopefully you had the opportunity to receive some ministry a little bit earlier. And if you didn't, then come see me after service, and I'll be happy to pray with you and, or, um, or just spend some time one-on-one with the Lord. And, and he intends for your heart to be conditioned to be well. If you're dealing with a, Justin, you can come on up. If you're dealing with a, with a situation of your, of your heart being hardened, he will soften it for you. Amen. So God will renew our hearts and we must guard it. Read you this real quick. The first part of that, so again, God will renew our hearts and then we must guard it. It's kind of, kind of, kind of wonky to say because we don't do anything in our own ability, right? Read you what scripture says. And the first part's understanding that your renewed heart comes from God. Psalms 51, 10 through 12 says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast, renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Create in me a pure heart, O Lord. Create in me. Give me that. We, we cannot get that on our own. I cannot wake up tomorrow and say, Spud, transplant my new compass, my new control center, my new heart with a, with a softened, better one in my own ability. But we read it earlier in Matthew 7, 7 before we, we had a little, bit, a little bit of time in ministry is, hey, if you knock, the door's going to open. He loves you. If you're dealing with that hardened heart right now and it's affecting your relationships, it's affecting your decision-making, if you just have sin that's just kind of anchored itself down inside your heart and it's influencing you, hey, that has been defeated at the cross. Work's already done. So it tells us that he gives us a renewed heart right? But let's hop back to Proverbs 4, 20 through 27. Let's start from the top. We'll read it again. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. His words are important. What, what is inside this book is really, 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 really important. This is where we This is where we get the information that we have to put inside our hearts and guard is from this. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. Keep it. You have a responsibility on the condition of your heart. I have a responsibility on the condition of my physical heart. Sometimes we're just born with really bad genes. One of my best friends has this beautiful little girl named Harper, not this best friend and that Harper, but a different best friend and a different Harper. And she was born with a, with a heart disease and had surgery at like two days old and had like four surgeries in the first three years of her life. She was born with a bad heart. She, i tell you this, that was pretty cool. <laughs> it's really cool. It's really, really cool. Um, this gets me. 
It's one of my best buds. I mean, this dude named Tanner Watts, just a really awesome guy. Was raised in a house that that um, that um, didn't honor and love the Lord. Was just an afterthought, and um, he married this awesome this awesome lady um, named Erin, who was just she's just was a godsend for my buddy. Um, and uh, they had this baby, and Harper had heart issues, and he gave his life to Jesus through dealing with the heart issues of his baby, which is like so cool, man. Like it, I hate that for that little baby, but. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't get it, and I don't understand it. I mean, he could have done it a different way. I wish that he would have, but his way's perfect, and that's the way he did it. And Harper's got a perfectly good heart. She is super healthy. Um, she gets a checkup every six months or so, and they have, they've had two more babies um, since then. And um, a little baby named BB, his name's Boston Watts because he's a big Celtics fan, um, and a little girl named Vivi, and they both have perfectly good hearts. And so now Aaron, um, his wife, and Harper, who's like, at this point, she's probably um, seven years old, they run, they help out and um, kind of help run a ministry at Texas Children's Network in Houston, Texas Children's Hospital in Houston, which is probably one of the, the most regarded, most visited hospitals in all the world. And what's so awesome about that is because of that situation, they're now, they're now telling people about Jesus and the redeeming power of Jesus Christ at one of the most... I mean, how many hurt, hurting people are coming through that hospital? They're dealing with your, with your kids. Like, that's where your heart's at, right? Anyway, just a really cool story. I wouldn't plan on telling you all that, but it just kind of hit me. It's awesome. Hey, have a heart of thanksgiving. I don't know if y'all follow John Piper at all, but he, um, he's a pastor, been around for a long, long time, and you may like him, you may not. I don't, I don't know, but I listen to him every once in a while. And he does a talk about, um, about uh, guarding your heart through thanksgiving. It's out of 2 Colossians 1-8. through 8. I'm not going to go there, Abby, so you don't have to put it up. But he does a talk about, about um, just, I encourage you to go read it. And it's, and it's, um, it's about Paul's letter to the people in um, Laodicea, I'll probably pronounce it wrong, whatever. And how he tells them, hey, like, you've got to come into community. Like, hey, knit, he says, knit your hearts together. Go read this and fact check me. He says, knit your hearts together. Telling the people of this church, knit your hearts together. And then he ends that passage, I think it's verse 7 or verse 8, where he says, and, and it, be, in a, be in, a, in a generous thanks, have a generous and thanksgiving heart. That's what protects it all. That's what protects it all, is having that generous and thanksgiving heart. So check that out. It's really good. Anyway, sorry. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. That, that word keep keeps popping up. We have responsibility in our heart. If I want to go back in two years and get a heart checkup and I still want it to be good, I have a responsibility. Like, I can't just keep doing the things that I do to my body from lack of exercise and things like that. Y'all probably think I'd work hard on this physique, but I really don't. It comes naturally. But if I want my heart to be right, then I really have to do some things to condition my heart and make sure when I go back in two years, I get the same test results that I got when I went three months ago, right? Keep, do something. You, you have a responsibility in the maintenance of your heart. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. He's saying, look, 
There's a lot of things that are going to blow by you in this thing that we call life. Your time here on earth is short. If you're here and you're like, hey, I love my life. It's great. It's awesome. I got everything I want. and I'm going to live forever. No, you're not. You're going to die. And you're going to go somewhere. Big spoiler alert, right? You're going to go somewhere. But for the short amount of time that we have here, we have a responsibility to be, to pour out of our heart a lifestyle that is guided by decisions and thoughts and emotions and attitudes and moods, a lifestyle that is reflective of what Jesus Christ intends for us, that's reflective of his life when he was here on earth. That's how we spread the gospel. That's how we go to work and we get people to learn about Jesus and, and, be, and, and inquire about why you're different, why your joy is is. Is man, this is this is big time, man. Think about it at work. Who had something bad happen at work this week? Anybody? You can raise your like for real, raise your hand. Wow, that's crazy. Y'all have awesome jobs. I got a great job, like for real. I have an awesome, awesome job. Thank you, Jesus, for that too. But crummy stuff happens every single day. But how you respond to those things is a reflection of what's in your heart. How you respond to a change that maybe affects your pay or a change that, that maybe gives you an additional responsibility or maybe a, a co-worker that left or a boss has given you a hard time or an employee has given you a hard time. The condition of your heart and the things that you store up inside your heart, the word, God's words that you keep in there are going to reflect on how you perceive and how you react to those situations. Does that make sense? All right. So fix your eyes straight ahead, look ahead, fix your gaze directly before you. Don't worry about that stuff. He, is, he has ordained you for something. He has called you into something. Fix your eyes on that and don't worry about the rest. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast, steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. It's not a big secret. I mean, it's really not. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you guys things that you've heard. I, I hope and I pray that we've heard these things. I know I've heard it many, many times. Nothing's new. I don't think any of my, my perception of Scripture is any different from something you've probably heard before. So this is no big secret. It's not, it's not rocket science. If you put bad things into your heart and you allow your heart to get hardened, if you're digesting things, whether it's in media or, again, in relationships or in perceptions that are not good and healthy, then what you put out is not going to be good or healthy. It's going to be, as he says, give careful thought to the path of your feet. Like, pay attention to where you're going and what you're doing and what you're investing your energy and time into. Be steadfast in all your ways because, hey, guys, it ain't easy. He never says, he said, take up your cross. He never said it was going to be easy. But you've got to be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. It's hard enough without spending, your, spending time in the Word. If you're not doing that, as my country mother would say, it's pert near impossible. Wait, stand up for me, please. Don't mind. So that's all I've got for you guys this morning. I love you guys. You are awesome. It is, is truly an, an, an honor and pleasure to get to speak um, to you guys any time that Andy decides to go to Romania. 
Um, keep him in your prayers. He has another week there before he comes back. Week before he comes back. Um, he's over there with Pastor Ken. Everyone remembers Pastor Ken, just a really, really awesome dude, man. Like, love Pastor Ken. He is, um, I think often about how I wish I would have spent more time with Pastor Ken while he was here. Um, and it was just a season of my life where we didn't get to hang out a whole lot. But I wish I would have because he's a pretty, he's a pretty, um, pretty rad dude. So, um, but that's important because kind of like Pastor Andy said last week, he did, a, did an illustration with Buddy, I think it was last week or the week before, we live in community. You know, when, when Paul writes that letter when, he, when he's in prison to, to Laodicea, he tells them, hey, you're part of your guarding of your heart is from living in community. You're able to encourage each other. It says you're able to devise what is good and what's wrong, philosophies that are right and philosophies that are wrong by living in community. That's very difficult to do if you're living by yourself. Just to make it very practical for you, that's very difficult to do if when we close service in just a couple of minutes, if you literally start your stopwatch and clock and see how fast you can get out that door into your car. Hey, I'm hungry too, right? But talk to someone. Invest in a relationship. Go eat lunch with somebody after church today. I wouldn't go eat lunch with you, but I think my little man's a little bit sick. So anytime you want me to go to lunch with you, I'm typically pretty game. But invest in relationships. Live in life with, with the people inside this church. Reach out into your communities, into your, into your schools, into your jobs, and bring people into this community because people need what Jesus has for them here. People do not need what I have for them. People do not need <coughs> excuse me, what Pastor Andy has for them. People need what Jesus has for them. Invite people to church. Get them here. I was a, a young lad. We did, um, we did like, uh, like every fifth Sunday or whatever. We'd do like uh, Pastor Monty was was uh, y'all know was my pastor when I was a kid, and um, like a, an attendance Sunday, right? See how many people we can get to church on this particular Sunday. And there was a big board on the front behind the uh, the three choir members we had. And, um, and it would say, like, attendance, like last time, the attendance may have been 77, whatever it was. And so um, I remember as a kid, man, like, when we, had that, uh, when we had that Sunday where it was an attendance Sunday, I would be, like, gangbusters, man, like, trying to get as many of my friends to come as church as possible. Because I just thought it was really, really cool to see how, how we could drive that number of people coming to church. And I tell you, it wasn't, like, this is... is it wasn't about the tithe number. It wasn't about the any of that. It was about getting people into, as, as, as a seven-year-old, I understood that, hey, good things happen at church. I didn't get the, the full breadth of it all, but I knew that, hey, good things happen when they give their life to Jesus. Bring people to church. You may be retired. The only person you may know is um, the fellow that delivers your Amazon packages three times a day. Inviting the church. It ain't going to be our church. Uh, it's for real. It ain't going to be our church. It's inviting the church. Somebody to go get filled up with the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you start doing that, and hear me this, I'll close on this. When you start doing that, when you find yourself telling people about Jesus and what he's done for you in your life, and if you don't know what he's done for you in your life, start thinking about what he's done so when you have the opportunity to tell somebody, you got something to say. But when you start telling people about Jesus and inviting them to church, not because it's church, but because it's Jesus, 
you know your heart's in the right spot. You know your heart is conditioned up. We have stairs in our house. When I can walk up the stairs, it goes up, then it takes a little landing spot, then it goes this way. When I can go up those stairs and I'll be out of breath, my heart's in the right spot. Right now it's not. So let me pray for you guys real quick. If you guys need some additional prayer, some love, some whatever, um, I'll stay up here for a few minutes and be happy to, um, to pray or talk with whoever. But I, I'm really thankful that you guys decided to come, to come hang out today. We have visitors here today. Again, thank you for being here. We, we are, like, for real, thank you for coming to hang out with us today. We really appreciate that. We get excited about that. We love loving on people. And I don't care if your friend that works a knucklehead who robbed a bank last night. They want to come to church, bring them to church. Okay? All right. Father, we love you so much, Lord. We thank you again for this day, God. We thank you for um, just another opportunity to come into your house and to just lift up your name, God. You are holy. You are awesome. You are worthy. Father, you are perfect. God, we thank you for who you are, Father. I ask you again that you'll just, um, just condition our hearts, Father, to, um, to just have a heart of thanksgiving. Um, Father, that our hearts will... We'll, we'll just seek you out, Father, and, and seek to recognize the good things that you've done in our lives. Father, I ask you to help us for, to just mold our lives to be um, just an example of who you are. Others put it in other people's hearts to recognize it, Father, and to, to be inquisitive about who you are and your goodness. God, we thank you for the, for the miraculous things you've done this morning, Father, and the, the physical hearts of some of our people. Lord, we're believing that we will have good reports about about healed hearts, Father. God, you are awesome. Keep our people safe today, Lord. Be with Pastor Andy and the group over there while they're in, in Romania, God. and um, Just help them to do your work, Father. Give them strength in their hands and their feet to do your work, Lord. Father, you are so good. We praise you for who you are, Lord. In your perfect name we pray, amen. I right, bless you guys. We love you. You all have a great, great, great day and week. Thank you all.